You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, it's great to be with you guys today. Happy Mother's Day to all. And if you've been coming around here for the past few weeks, or uh, if your mom just guilted you to come to church this week and you don't know what we've been talking about, then we've been in this series of teachings called Puro Purpose, okay? So when we say Puro San Antonio, we're talking about being authentic and pure to who you are as a San Antonian, right? So we, we thought we'd come up with a list of things where you know you're a Puro mom if you do these things. So first off, moms, you know you're a poodle mom if you ever killed a roach in the house with a chunkla. Anybody on that one? For sure. Uh, you also know you might be a poodle mom if you've stolen those pink sweetener packets from the restaurant and put them in your purse, you know? Uh, also, you know you're a poodle mom if you think you can heal anything with Vicks Vapor Rub, you know? Mom, do that one. Okay, how many of you moms, when your kids get a scrape or a cut or something and you want to comfort them, you say to them, sana, sana, colita de rana. Okay, anybody? Anybody on that one? Right on. Yeah. Or you're, you know you're a puro mom if you went with your high school friends to the ghost tracks on the south side. Got scared. Right on. Anybody on that one? Okay, I can tell you for sure you're a poodle mom if you love Lucas so much that you've considered snorting lines of it. Anybody? Any of you moms, you know? Okay, you're for sure a poodle mom if you want to keep your kids in bed and you told them you better stay in bed or the kukui's going to get you. Anybody on that one? Yeah. <laughs> During kukui, man, some, some of you have PTSD from the kukui, right? Uh, you know you're a puro mom if perhaps one of your family or friends has almost put an eye out from illegal fireworks or from food on a stick at Fiesta. Anybody on that one? You know, if you're new to San Antonio, Fourth uh, of July, New Year's, the the best fireworks shows are in the neighborhoods, not you know at the the parks, right on. So. So we're going to keep breaking the law, breaking the law, right, with our fireworks. But the last one, you know you're a puro mom if you've ever considered that the donkey lady on the south side might be for real and legit. Anybody know about the donkey lady? Okay. Yeah. So, so being puro is being authentic. It means in Spanish, pure. And then there's purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or, you know, the reason for which something exists. And you put it together, puro purpose. Your puro purpose is your authentic and pure purpose for living. Why God created you. And we're all trying to move into that place, you know. And you can see on our walls, if you're here in the theater, what we're about as a church. We want to help people to know Jesus. First thing over there, right? We want to help people to cultivate freedom in their lives. And then from there, we want to discover our what? Purpose. And when you discover your purpose, you're in a place where you can make a difference in the world, see? So what a lot of people misunderstand, they think that their purpose is wrapped up in their career. Certainly, we can fulfill our purpose within our career. And a lot of people think that their purpose is just one thing, but it's actually five things that we know about. So uh, we're encouraging you during this series 
to pursue your poodle purpose. Could you say that with me out loud together when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. Pursue your poodle purpose. And so today, uh, we're going to look at one of your purposes, one of the five. But in previous weeks, we've seen that square one in your purpose, living out your purpose, is to make sure and experience intimacy in him. Having a love relationship with Jesus is where you start. And growing in intimacy in him and with him is where you're nudged towards your purpose for living. But Pastor Joe did a fabulous job last week of explaining to us that in order to walk in our purpose, you have to be a part of a familia. So it's like a spiritual family, a church or a tribe group where you're finding spiritual encouragement and community with others. And this week, we're going to see the third purpose, and that is to be like Christ. When you aspire to and move towards being more like Jesus, you're walking into your purpose. Some of you remember a few years ago that there was an advertising campaign by Gatorade where they encouraged people to be like Mike or people acknowledge, I want to be like Mike. But today we're saying, I want to be like Christ, be like Christ. Will you say be like Christ with me when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. Be like Christ. That's what we want to do. Now, Rick Warren in his little book that a lot of us have been reading and going through for our devotional readings, it's called The Purpose Driven Life. It's 40 Days of Purpose. And by the way, we've got more copies of that outside if you didn't get a copy and you want to buy one. But they're they're four things that you and I can do and embrace and move and be changed by that help us to become more like Christ. Let me show them to you. We become like Christ through truth, trouble, temptation, and time. Truth, trouble, temptation, and time. Let's break down each one. Look at number one. You can become like Christ by embracing the truth. Look at John 14, 6, where Jesus answered, I am the way and the what? Truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So truth is not just a principle, but it's a person the person of Jesus. When we embrace Jesus, we uh, are growing spiritually and we become uh, more like him, see? Um, But one of the great things about Jesus is that we can look to the gospels and we can see his preferences, practices, and perspective. And he's graciously given us these legit documents that we call the scriptures in order to learn more of him and his ways. Did you know that the whole Old Testament is basically pointing towards Jesus. This is why Matthew 5.18 says, for truly I say to you. So do you notice how he started that? Truly, because it's about truth. I'm telling you something that's the truth. Until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will pass away by any means, uh, will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So what Jesus is saying is the Old Testament is not going to disappear until every T is crossed, every I is dotted in fulfillment of something, someone. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. If you go back to the Old Testament, you would see all these predictions or prophecies in an already established book that were made about a future Messiah that had not even been born yet. This is years and years before Jesus was ever born. And if you look there, you'll see it was predicted the place that Jesus would be born, Bethlehem. It was predicted his ancestors before him. It was predicted how he would be betrayed for a certain amount of money, 30 pieces 
of the silver, the scriptures say. It was predicted that his bones would not be broken at his death and how the soldiers would gamble for his clothing. These are just a few examples of prophecies about the Messiah Jesus before he was ever born. Some people say, well, it's just a coincidence that all those things happen in one person. But can I ask you a question here? What are the numeric chances that the 48 major prophecies about Messiah would come true in one person? Well, according to scientist and mathematician Peter Stoner, it's 1 in 10 to the power of 157. That's a 1 with 157 zeros behind it. I would say it's pretty safe to say that these predictions and prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus because he is the truth. He is God, as he said that he was. And to further help us, Jesus gave us his close group of friends. They're called apostles. Now, some people today claim to be apostles, but they're not actually apostles in the same way that Jesus' close followers were because they don't get, you know, apostles today don't get to add to the scriptures. That's pretty much set, right? Well, these Apostles, what they wrote down, the people that had walked with Jesus and seen him in person, what they wrote down became what we call scriptures. See, that is why when you go to Acts 2.42, it says the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is why Peter elevated the words and letters of the apostle Paul to be equal with scripture. Go with me to second. Peter chapter 3 verse 15, our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking of these things in all of his letters. So he wrote these letters to churches and it became scripture. And then it says some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do other parts of what? Scripture. This elevates Paul's writing to be scripture, just like the Old Testament, just like the Gospels, see? Now, people who try and twist the scriptures and manipulate them, it's not good. Look at the last sentence of that passage. It says, and this will result in their destruction. And so what happened was, is that in 397 AD, there was something called the Council of Carthage, where this council recognized all the New Testament books that believers were already reading as scripture. Unfortunately, today, a lot of people have asserted some narrative that it was a group of power-hungry people in a room trying to select which books would be in the New Testament of the Bible in order to control the masses. But the historic reality of the situation was the Council of Carthage was not about selecting books to be in the New Testament. It was more about recognizing which books were already being read as the scriptures by the broader church, see? So these writings are the, the endorsed writings of Jesus. Now, um, to, to learn your poodle purpose, it's wise of you to spend time in these letters reading these scriptures. This is where we learn about the truth of Jesus. Now, part of the point of the scriptures is they're kind of like a love letter that are, are given to us so we can be reminded of God's love for us. Anybody give your mom a card today? Okay, some of you mailed a card. Some of you gave her a card right on because you love your mom. And I think about my mom and dad, and they exchange cards on specific holidays. And I almost got someone in trouble just now, didn't I, if you didn't get that card. So you still have time. Still have time. But uh, my mom and dad exchange cards, you know, at different times. What I noticed is, like, my dad's like a lot of men. 
he received the card from my mom on Valentine's Day or on their anniversary, and he'd thank her for it. He's grateful for it. You know, said, I love you. And then he set the card over on his table. And then you wait for the appointed time when she didn't notice, you know, it's like maybe a day or two later. And then you know what we do with the card. You throw it, throw it away, right? It's just be, unless it's got a gift card in it. And then you pull that out and then you throw it away, guys, right? And I mean, guys, I, am I telling on anybody? Don't raise your hand, okay? I don't want you to get in trouble today. But you, you got to like keep that card for a certain amount of time until she doesn't notice. Then you can throw it away, but don't let her see you throw it away. But here's what happened with my parents is that one year we were all there for a holiday, but you know, and my sisters and I were there and my mom kind of winks at us and she reaches into this drawer and she pulls out a card. And she gives the card to my dad. And as it turns out, you know, he had no idea that she had been recycling the same card for several years in a row, right, on? She knew he threw it away. He grabbed it out of the trash, put it in the drawer, give it to him again the next year, right, on? That's pretty smart, isn't it, ladies? And then, check this out. One Valentine's Day, I noticed my wife, Jeannie, gave me the same card for Valentine's Day, man. That girl's smart. She knew I, I wouldn't have a clue, man. And, and the reason I told you that is because, you know, a lot of people think of the scriptures as just something I'll just look at once and then I'll discard it. But what God designed it for is that we could look at it to remind us of how he loves us. It's meant to be read and then reread and then read again. You know, sometimes I can go back to the love letters that Jeannie sent to me, even when we were engaged. And I can go reread that and think, man, are you misguided? But, you know, it's just like... It's love letters that we can remind ourselves of God's love for us. But check out this number two here is that uh, trouble helps us become like Christ if we let us. If we let trouble transform us, we can become more like Christ. I, I talk about this at almost every funeral that I conduct. And I learned it years ago from Rick Warren, the guy that wrote the little book that a lot of us are reading through these days. God transforms our troubles. And what he says is that life is a series of troubles. You're either just now coming out of a trouble, you're in a trouble right now, or you're about to go into one. And the classic text that a lot of believers go to to get encouragement in and through our troubles is Romans 8.28. In case you've never heard of it, it's where Paul said, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, here's the problem with the verse, is that a lot of people misrepresent it or misquote it. The verse does not say that all things are good, does it? COVID is not good. Cancer is not good. Racism is not good. So the verse, first of all, does not say that all things are good. A second thing that this verse does not say is that God works things out the way we want them, does he? He doesn't work things out the way we want him all the time. But what the verse does say is that God can, has this amazing ability to transform our troubles, the good and the bad, everything in your life. He can transform that divorce you went through, the loss of a loved one that you experienced, as well as your strengths and your victories in life. He can put it all together and transform it into something good. Right on? Anybody receive that today? Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's almost as good as cookies, okay? Anybody like chocolate chip cookies? And here's the illustration here. The ingredients of the cookies by themselves are not good. 
shortening is not good. The flour, you don't eat flour by itself. You don't eat raw eggs unless you're rocky. Okay, the only good ingredient of the, the cookies before you bake them are those little chocolate chips, right? You, you can down those to a football game, can't you, right? I'm, but when you take all those ingredients that by themselves don't taste good and you mix them together, you beat it, and then you put it in the oven and heat it, it gets transformed to something great, doesn't it? The cookie. And that's like our lives. Some experiences are sweet, aren't they? Some are bitter. Have you ever felt beat down, by the way, by the troubles of this life? Anybody? Anybody? Have you ever felt the heat of your troubles in life? Yeah. But if you will allow God to, he'll make a sweet cookie from your life. But it's not just our troubles but we can become like Christ when we endure temptation. That's number three. We, when we allow temptations to change us and make us like Christ. Go with me to James chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and what else? Temptation. Afterwards, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now look, recently this past week we were talking to my friend Joe Gabriel. A group of us after church went out. We were hanging out, sitting around the table. And those of you that do know Joe Gabriel, have been around here for a while, perhaps you've seen his story on video here at the church. Joe Gabriel spent some time in prison. And then before that, he spent some years in drug addiction, you know, and it was out of control and it was destroying his life and all this. Well, God came into his life and Jesus changed his heart and his life got, got him free from this addiction. Now he's got this awesome wife, Priscilla, she's just an amazing woman, and God has blessed him right on. That's good news, isn't it? So check this out. So having gone through all that and come to a place of God's blessing in his life, he was telling us that just recently he had a relative who was still using drugs slip some drugs into one of his articles of clothing in his house without him knowing it. There were drugs in Joe Gabriel's house, and he didn't even know it. And then the relative calls him and is like, did you get this stuff? He said, what stuff? He goes, I slipped it in your pocket, this certain pair of pants. And he went in his drawer. He checked on it. Sure enough, there's a needle in there. And man, if you've ever been an addict or addicted or tempted by anything, can you imagine what he was feeling? And he's like, you know, I'm here all alone and no one would know. And then... He thought about all that he had been through and what God had brought him through and the ways God had blessed his life. And he took that needle and he threw it away. He resisted the temptation. Thank the Lord for that. Now, check this out. Check it out. Did God allow Joe Gabriel to go through the, that temptation because God, God didn't know what he was going to do? Shoot, God knew exactly what all of us were going to do at any time, didn't he? God perhaps allowed him to be tempted so Joe Gabriel would know what he would do. God doesn't allow us to be tempted so he can know what's in our heart. He allows us to be tempted so he can show us what's in our heart. It's his way, when you come through a temptation, it's his way to tell you, be encouraged, daughter. Be encouraged, son. You've endured through this temptation. And then when you struggle and you fall, for the temptation. Don't stay down. Man, turn to God, confess it, repent, and look up Proverbs 24, 16 that says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will do what? Get up again. Right on. Anybody need to do that from time to time? Get up again. Yeah. Check it out. 
We did a whole series on getting up again back in May of 2020. Go back and listen to the podcast on that one. But Joe Gabriel grew stronger as a result of knowing what was in his heart. And it took time for him to get to that place. And that's number four. We can become more like Christ if we follow him over a period of time. If we keep getting up over a period of time. I like that old John Maxwell quote, change happens daily, not in a day. Isn't that the way it works? Happens daily, not in a day. And then Jesus said in John 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross. How often? Daily and follow me. So he says, in other words, if you want to be my disciple, you want to be like me, you have to daily take up your cross and follow me. Unfortunately, a lot of people today want get quick, get, get fixed quick spirituality. You, they want to sage on a stage to smack them on the forehead and have lightning jolt through them and change everything about their life. And look, the reality is, is that sometimes God can do that in certain areas of our lives. He can. And he's done that in a lot of our lives on occasions. But most of the time, the majority of ways that we grow is not through a one-time experience. It's through day after day, step after step, moment after moment, saying, I'm today, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to keep after it. I'm going to keep moving. That's why I love the motto of Coach Greg Popovich of God's basketball team, the San Antonio Spurs. Can I get an amen from anyone? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and if you don't love the Spurs, then we just pray for you. But they, they, in this facility, in the Spurs facility, they have this quote, and it's actually a Jacob Reese quote, and it says, when nothing seems to help, I go and look at the stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And look, if you, if you look at a Spurs championship ring, you will see on the side of engraved the image of the stone cutter. If you want a spiritual ring, you got to be willing to pound the rock and follow Jesus daily. And I remember when I was, okay, get all your claps out of your system, okay? But we got, we're on a time schedule here, right? On Mom's got to eat after church, right? But check this out. When I was in college, I was dealing with a behavior that I did not want in my life. Some of you have heard me talk about how I, was, I had a lust issue that I was dealing with. I didn't want it in my life, and I struggled with it. And so I went to the scriptures in my daily reading, and I read Galatians 6, 9, where Paul says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in do what? What's that word? Time. It takes time. In due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. In other words, Paul's saying, you got to keep pounding the rock. And then furthermore, if you go to Jeremiah 23, 29, that prophet says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? And so see, that is the metaphor there to keep pounding the rock with the inspired word of God in your life. And so look, I struggled with that behavior that I didn't want in my life, that lustful behavior. You know what I did? I start pounding the rock. I got in God's word. 
and pounding the rock. And there are a lot of days where I had a great victory and I was excited. I kept pounding the rock. And then some days I would backslide. I would struggle. I would relapse. And I would feel like Paul when he said, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And I don't do the things that I want to do. You know what I did? I get back up again. I start pounding the rock. I kept pounding the rock over and over again, one day at a time, whether I was successful or whether I failed. And then one day in 2001, the rock split. Right on? And I realized it was that day. I'd not acted out since that time. See? And it wasn't that one blow of that one day in 2001, but it is a hundred other ones before that day where God, by the power of his spirit, set me free. And now I appreciate it and know what it takes to get there. I don't want to lose it, see? You know, can I tell you that I'm so proud of our city tribe eagles? We call our volunteers around here eagles. All of you who serve in any capacity by volunteers in this ministry, whether it's with kids or students or cultivate or tribe groups or what, parking lot, whatever it may be, and a lot of our staff and eagles were tempted to be very discouraged when the pandemic hit and there weren't crowds in church like this. I mean, there was just a fraction of the number of people in the church, but they didn't get discouraged. You know what they did? They kept after it. They kept pounding the rock, help people know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And because they kept pounding the rock, we've seen record numbers of people go through our cultivate ministry in which people are able to get freedom in their lives. And we've seen record numbers of people be in our tribe, small groups. And we've seen this year, 42 people believe and be baptized. Individual people who matter to God. Because some kept pounding the rock. But what I want you to know is, is that pounding a rock is so much broader than just dealing with an addiction. But what rock do you need to pound right now? Because all of us have a rock we need to pound, need to keep on pounding right now. For some of you, you've been reading that Purpose Driven Life book, but you've skipped a bunch of days and you're kind of behind and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to tell anybody because I was supposed to do this challenge, you know, and my name was on that little board up there and I didn't keep up my thing. Hey, it's time to get up again and start pounding the rock. Go, go after church, do your reading. For others of you, your business is struggling, and you have to keep pounding the rock at that, right? Some of you are struggling in your marriage. Pound the rock, not your spouse, okay? Pounding the rock, keep working on it. You know, I've been married over 33 years now, and I didn't, we didn't stay together by not pounding the rock. Takes some work, doesn't it? So keep pounding the rock in that marriage. Moms, you moms feel underappreciated? You ever feel like, man, I'm not enough. I, I'm, I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not this, you know, I look at all my mom friends' Instagrams and, and they're, first of all, their Instagram isn't as good, isn't the same as their life. But you feel like you're not doing enough. Your kids are doing behaviors that you don't endorse and wish they wouldn't do and you've trained them otherwise. You gotta keep praying. You got those adult kids that are doing crazy stuff. You get on your knees and you pound the rock in prayer. And look, there's, there's someone in church today. The only reason you're here is because your mom, you got a godly mom and she pounds the rock in prayer. She won't quit praying for you. I can tell you the truth. The only reason I'm standing up here today is because my mom prays. My mom's a little bit ornery, but she prays and she asks the Lord. 
so it's time to keep pounding that rock. And there's some who are spiritual investigators. You know, it's what, what I call people that are trying to check God out, coming to church to figure out if you want to believe in him, in Jesus. And we welcome you to do that. And, and we welcome you to go to a class called Jesus 101 and read more books and look into it and ask people questions and keep coming to these services. That's your way of pounding the rock. But can I tell you, some of you have been seeking for a time you've been pounding the rock and today's the day the rock splits and you come to know Jesus. And you know what I was thinking about as I was considering those of you that are spiritual investigators. I got a trip coming up to the UK and I was reading about England and this great historic hymn that was written there in English. It's uh, in England and it's called Rock of Ages. Some of you who have gone to church or, you know, grew up in some kind of church, you've heard of Rock of Ages. Some of you have not been to church, you've heard that language, Rock of Ages, but you didn't know it was a famous song, hymn. And the story behind it was a guy named Augustus Toplady. He was trying to escape an intense thunderstorm and he ran into the cleft of a split boulder rock and escaped the wrath of a storm. And he came up with this great historic song, Rock of Ages, where he wrote, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. See? The band's going to sing that song. And if you know that, know it, know the tune and want to sing along, by all means, do so. But if not, if you just want to watch the lyrics, the lyrics of this song tell us of the gospel and the love of Jesus for us and how we can go to him to escape the natural, eternal consequences of our sin. Let's listen to it together. Oh, I 
your case, you want a love relationship with God that you've never had before in your life, just talk to him in your own heart and mind right now and just say, look, God, I know I've sinned and screwed up and made some mistakes, but God, right now, I choose to believe that Jesus is the rock of ages for me, and I shelter myself at the cross of Jesus like a rock protecting me from the storm, the consequences, eternal consequences of my sin. So God, the best I know how, I welcome Jesus into my life. Thank you, God, for coming in. And Father, for the rest of us, we all seek together to become more like our awesome Savior, Jesus. And, in, and it's in his name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, as we wrap up, today, just a couple of things I want to remind you about. One is that we have what's called our tribal orientation. If you've been coming around City Tribe Church and you want to kind of join the church, we have an orientation for that right next door during the one o'clock service time. It's in the cafe, so make sure and take advantage of that today if you've not already done so. And also, one of the ways that we worship God is through our financial stewardship. And if you're not a Christian or don't buy into or believe any of this, um, just don't give anything. That's okay. The service is our gift to you. But those of us that do believe, um, we pitch in like tithes and offerings to help fund stuff that's important to Jesus. I brought this little video today of what we're funding over in Liberia, Africa. You can see these little kids in the video. They're throwing up these little packages. Well, you know what those packages are. They've been given mosquito nets because people struggle with malaria there that come from mosquito bites. And so there, all these different schools are receiving mosquito nets so the children don't have to worry about getting malaria. And I want to say thank you guys for investing in important stuff like that to serve the kids in West Africa. Now, since uh, if you're new here, the way we collect our offerings and tithes and such is we don't pass buckets or plates, but you can mail your offerings to the P.O. Box number on screen or as well as on our website. You can also text to tithe by following the instructions on screen, or you can go to the giving stations that are located near the exits of the Cameo Theater if you're here in person, or you can go online on any of your devices to citytribe.church slash tithe and take care of it in that way. So let's stand together before you guys take off and let me speak some words of benediction to kind of close us out today. Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, walk in his truth that'll get you through whatever troubles or temptations you're dealing with and do it. Follow him over time. Continue to pound the rock.
and walk with him. You guys have an amazing Mother's Day. And mothers, we got something special for you as you guys are taking off. See you guys next Sunday. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.